Welcome to the Rock Community Church. Pastor John Warehouse is teaching from the book of Acts. Enjoy today's sermon. Happy Easter! How are you all? You know, the phrase is, uh, someone would say, He is risen, and then we would respond, He is risen indeed. So let me start it off by saying, He is risen. All right, I love that enthusiasm. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here on Easter with us. We are honored that you would spend this Easter morning with us, and it is our privilege. We had such a wonderful time. We started off with, with a sunrise service, which, whoa, we, uh, this is, that was really exciting because we were packed. It was, it was uh, as many people more than we expected. There were more people that came, and that was really great. And uh, we're excited about doing that next year on our own property where we'll have our own church and we'll be able to have a, a sunrise service should the weather permit. And uh, love for you all to come. It was just a, just a glorious time, to be honest with you. Uh, with that in mind, let me make a kind of an in-house announcement. For those of you that are visiting with us, thanks. Thanks for being here with us from the bottom of our hearts. We are honored that you would come and spend uh, this, this Easter morning with us. Um, for those of us that are here all the time, next um, next week we are going to have uh, uh, what we're going to call, let me see if I can uh, tell you what exactly it is called. We're going to have a dedication ceremony. Wasn't that big of a word, but I've lost, lost it anyways. But uh, <laughs> And what we're going to do next Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after our services, after lunch and all, we're going to go over to meet in our uh, new sanctuary. And we are going to have a, a ceremony there, kind of a praying, and then you can tour the place. The carpet will be down. The chairs will be in. I understand. I hope all of this is true. Uh, we're really close. We're really close to getting in. And so everything is kind of going to be in order. And so there will be maps for you to come and, and, uh, and find us there. And we can pray with one another 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Bring your children because uh, we already have the, the, the children's room set up. They have their little furniture and you're going to love it. The kids will love to see it and see what it's going to be like and then see what the sanctuary is like. Next Saturday, the 6 o'clock service, for any of you that might come on Saturday or have friends do, we're going to be at the First Baptist Church in Yorba Linda. So we're playing hide-and-seek again. So come find us. We're going to be there at 6 o'clock next Saturday. Sunday, we'll be kind of check with the website, check with the phone numbers to see where we'll be if we're going to be here. But if we are, we will be here at the forum at our regular times, 8.30 and 10.15. And then, as I say to you, after, to, after Sunday service next week, we will have a, a dedication service for our, our, our new sanctuary. And would be honored if you all would come. Now, let's get to where we ought to be, and that is in the Word of God. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2? If you haven't brought a Bible, if you're with a friend, just kind of peek over their shoulder, read along with them. Um, We've been studying through the book of Acts, and, and as it would be, we've, we've come to the very perfect place you want to be for, uh, for Easter, and that is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. You see, the fuss of this day for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ is everything. I think I'm going to try with all of my heart this morning to explain to you why this day is just monumental to those of us that trust and believe in Jesus Christ. It is everything. It is the, the, very, the very essence of who we are as believers. To be honest with you, we celebrate Easter every day because we believe in a risen Savior all the time. But this special occasion is, 
is really for those that uh, that come, and, and we want to share it with you. As a matter of fact, we've, we've even dressed up the place. We don't normally put flowers here. It's really beautiful this morning. That's for you who are visiting with us. We want to put our best, best foot forward. We want you to see the Lord in all of his glory, in all of his light this morning. And so I'm going to ask you to kind of hang in there and listen with us as we kind of go through Scripture. As we are in the book of Acts, the second chapter, it is a monumental time for the body of believers as a whole. It is what we've learned, the very beginning of the church. It is the day of Pentecost. It is when the Holy Spirit came upon the the apostles and the disciples and those that were there in the upper room and filled them with the Spirit. Peter got up along with the rest of them and he addressed the people in Israel. Now at that time in Israel, there was one of the three great feasts that they celebrated. This was the Feast of Pentecost. And Peter said to them, quoting out of the book of Joel, if you'll note in the second chapter of Acts, Peter does not give his own thoughts upon what just took place. Rather, he quotes Joel. And he says, this is not by accident. This has been prophesied that this was going to happen. That that we would be filled with the very Spirit of God. As Peter goes on with his message, if you look down in verse 25, then he quotes David, King David, out of Psalms 16. And he quotes this occasion of what they're celebrating this particular time. He also quotes David out of Psalms 110. And so what Peter does is what any good preacher ought to do. He verifies what he is saying through the Word of God. He uses this to make sense of what he is saying. And that's what all of us ought to do. And so what I reason with you this morning is that I am not going to try to tell you what are my thoughts. What I want you to do is look with me as clearly as possible at what are our, our Lord's thoughts concerning this particular time, this time of Pentecost. You see, it is, it is the most precious of days for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Because with Jesus Christ raising himself from the dead, he proved then beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is exactly who he says he is. I will in time show you that that is the very essence of, of the truth, that he is the Messiah that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of the living God who came to forgive mankind of our sins. He rose from the dead, and in so doing, he brought the promise of all that he offered to people to the forefront, saying that I am who I say I am, therefore my promises to you are true. Read with me, please, here in the book of Acts. We had studied last week from verses 14 to verse 21. I want to repeat verse 21 because it's the very essence of this morning's mess, of this morning's message. Read with me just three or four verses from verse 21 to verse 24. Peter says, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He then says in verse 22, Men of Israel, remember now, he is speaking to them in Jerusalem at one of their feasts. So, as we learn from verse 5, there were many, many people from all over the world, many, many Jews, who came to Jerusalem, devout men. So he says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested, the word attested means proved, a man proved to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, 
just as you yourself know. In other words, this was not done in a corner. All of us were able to observe what took place. We either saw it firsthand or we know of someone who saw it or we heard of it. He goes on to say, this man, verse 23, delivered up by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed it to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And then comes Easter. In verse 24, Peter says, And God raised him up, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its death's power. It's impossible for this one called Jesus Christ to be held into the power of death. That is very meaningful for you as well as for me. Because what Peter is saying in essence is that our Lord, the one whom we are following, He has taken control of death. He has removed it out of the picture. That too I will show you in a moment. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us whatever it is that He would want to to do with our hearts this morning. Father, it is the deepest... It is the deepest prayer of my heart that you would move me out of the way. That you would allow the, the people who are here with friends and loved ones to hear from your heart. I don't want them to think for an instant that these are my ideas. I'd rather we understand that this is your heart as you proclaim who your son is to us. And why we as believers in Jesus Christ make this time Easter so special it is the very essence of who we are and so Lord would you please take the time to bless us this morning bless everyone here move us Father for those of us who know and love you if need be allow us to have a closer more deeper walk with you And for those of us who are here this morning maybe investigating maybe just come because of a, a friend or a loved one Would you touch their hearts as well, I pray, Father. I pray these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. On this particular day, what we just read out of, Peter gives a message that literally changes lives forever. He speaks of the resurrection. The very first message given to the church, this is the initiation of the church, the first message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's very important, as you'll see. He teaches us that having a relationship with God is no longer an exclusive club, that just some are involved and not everyone. By what he says in verse 21, that's why I wanted to read that verse with us again. He says the salvation is now for everyone. He says everyone, every single soul now who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be Saved. That's what church is about. Church is a place where people from all different walks of life, all different races, all different denominations, we come together and we worship a risen Savior. And Peter says, this is now no longer an exclusive club. Now everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord may and shall be saved. And what was Peter's main theme in his message of salvation? It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is Easter. It is this event that we are celebrating this moment. Because it is Easter that changes everything for everyone forever. 
and ever and ever. Because now everybody, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As Peter did at the beginning of his message in verse 14, so again he does in verse 22. He says in verse 14, give heed to my words. Here he says in verse 22, listen to my words. He says this Jesus, verse 22, this Jesus the Nazarene, a man who was attested, in other words, a man who was proven to you by God. How is proven? By the miracles he did, by the wonders that he did, by the signs that he did, which God performed through him in your midst. Just, Peter says, as you yourselves know, Peter, with the boldness that comes from someone who is speaking to a group of people who knew and understood what had just taken place, gave him the boldness to say what he is about to say. He is saying that the miracles that Jesus Christ did, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they had personally seen or they had personally heard of. You, yourselves, know of this event. Listen, folks, if nothing else, you and I can rest assured that what happened at the cross, what happened in the life of Jesus Christ is true. There were way too many witnesses. And I might add that Jesus Christ had way too many enemies. For if it was not true, they would have let the world know that it was not true. But never do you see in Scripture do they, do they try to say that he didn't do miracles. No, they attested that he did miracles. Never in Scripture do they say that he didn't raise from the dead. They try to, to cover it up, but never do they say that he did not raise from the dead. You see, if that was not true, we would have heard about it. We would have heard about it a lot. And so in verse 23, the point of the verse is clear. Peter is saying that Jesus Christ was crucified. And he says that was not an accident. It was in God's predetermined plan. It was by God's foreknowledge that his son went to the cross. And he went to die. He died by us and he died for us. In other words, we were part of the death and we are part of the solution. Verse 23, this man delivered over by the predetermined and foreknowledge of God. You, he said, you nailed it to the cross by the hands, he said, of godless men and put him to death. When Peter refers to you in verse 23, what he was speaking to were the Jews that were standing there on the day of Pentecost who came from every land around, all sorts of places. And what they had heard was a rushing wind. They came to see what had taken place, and all of a sudden, they're hearing all the apostles and everyone speak to them in their own language. And they're understanding everything that is being said. And they say, how can this happen? How in the world has this taken place? When he speaks to them, he says, you, he's talking to the Jews that were there. On the other hand, when he says in verse 23... By the words, godless men, when he then accused the Gentiles as a part of the death. And so what, what Peter was saying was both Jew and Gentile. You see, the Jews considered the Gentiles to be godless people. People without the one true God. People without the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when he says, you put them to death... By the hands of godless men, what Peter did in one verse is implicate both Jew and Gentile alike into the death of Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's really a silly argument 
to try to reason who put Christ to death. I'll try to settle that for you this morning. I'll tell you who put him to death. We did. Any and all of us who have had any sin in our life, we put him to death. The Bible is clear about why Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for the sins of the world. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ went to the cross because of the sins of man and womankind. Now, how many of us have sinned? Well, Paul says in Romans 3.23 that we all have something in common here in this room. The one thing that we all have in common is that we're all sinners. Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all of us, all of us have sinned. And all of us have fallen short of what? The glory of God. Listen to you guys. All right. I'm very proud of you. Very proud. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Paul goes on to write in three chapters later, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says, the wages of your sin and my sin is what? So it's clear. It's simple. It's understandable. We all have, we all have, uh, oh, I wish I could think of the word right now. I had it for a moment, gone. But we all have this one, this one thing laid upon us. That is that we're all sinners. And we all have the same verdict with our sin. It is death. So when Jesus Christ chose by the predetermined plan, the foreknowledge of God, to go to the cross and die, he died for yours and my sin. So we've all put him to the, to the cross. We all caused the death. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles, but every, every person that ever walked the face of this earth. Because he died for your sins. That's why, verse 21, I want to read to you again. That's why Peter says, And everybody now, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall or must or can be saved. It is no longer an exclusive club. It is now church that is open to every single person on the face of this earth. And so what Peter then does is he verifies the fact of who Jesus is in verse 24. Look at it closely. But, he says, but even though he died, God, here's Easter Sunday, God raised him up. He put an end to the agony of death. Since, Peter says, it was impossible for Jesus Christ to be held in death's power. He took control of it. Verse 24 is the strongest proof that you can find that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that He is God. Peter says it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Him. As we're going to see next week, David makes that that claim in Psalm 16. Long ago, they made the claim that the Messiah was going to die, but death would not have its hold upon Him. Listen, the greatest proof that you and I have that Jesus Christ is exactly who He says He is, the greatest proof that He is God, the greatest proof that He is worthy of your trust is not the things that He taught, great as they are, nor is it the miracles that He did, and He did every miracle. No, no. The greatest proof is not even His death. The greatest proof of who He is was His resurrection from the dead. And that's why we as Christians put our best face forward today and try to impress you who come. Because we want you to see that the resurrection means everything. Not only for us, but for you as well. The resurrection gives you life. 
Let me show it to you. Turn with me. You don't have to stay here in Acts any longer. Look at it. Look at John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, we see a glimpse of Jesus Christ that I absolutely love. His enemies, and there were many, were very upset with him. They were upset with him because in John chapter 2, Jesus Christ goes into Jerusalem on the day... This is another feast. It was the Feast of Passover. And he goes in and he takes a look at the temple, his father's house. And what he sees is they're turning this place. The religious leaders, they were turning this place into a a house of thieves. So he goes in, and this is why I love him so much. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2. Passover the Jews was at hand. I just told you about that. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I mentioned that. He found in the temple those who were selling oxen, sheep, doves, and the money changers seated I told you about that. What I didn't tell you is what he did in verse 15. This is why I love him so much. This is why he could have played middle linebacker, Dave. He was not some guy you see a picture of that you could look at him and go, and he'd fall over. No, no, no. In verse 15, tells you a little bit about his character. It says he made a scourge of cords. You know what he did? He made a whip. He made a whip and he, he went in and he drove them all out of the temple with their sheep, the oxen. He poured over the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. And he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house into a house of thieves. They asked him a question. They came back to him and they asked in verse 18. Again, when you read the Jews, you're, you're talking about the religious leaders of the day. They asked him and said to him, By what sign do you show us? By what authority do you, t- do you throw these people out of this temple? Show us a sign. Why do you do what you do? Where, who has given you the authority to do what you just did in this temple? Give us a sign. And Jesus says to them, watch. He said to them in verse 19, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. They thought, as you and I would have thought, that he was speaking about the building. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, no, they said in verse 20, look, it's taken us 46 years to build this temple. You tell us you're going to raise it up in three days? But then Jesus lets us know. Jesus says in verse 21 that he was speaking of the temple of his body. And verse 22 tells us, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus Christ had spoken. Folks, they asked him for a sign. Tell us a sign. By what authority do you clean out this temple? And he says, I'll give you my authority. I'll give you the ultimate sign. You want a sign? Put me to death. In three days... I will raise from the dead. Folks, let me tell you something. Not only could his disciples believe, but anyone who would have seen that event could remember what he said and believe in him. But let me share with you another thing. The resurrection did not just happen so that you and I would know for certain he is the Messiah. Yes, that's extremely important. But the resurrection also happened so that you and I would know that we no longer are held by death. 
we are no longer under a penalty called death. That is why when believers go to a funeral, sometimes you'll see believers at a funeral, they don't seem to be, oh, yeah, we'll cry. If I'm there, you bet we're going to cry. I cry over everything. But we're not going to just cry, but we're going to cry with a hope that goes beyond any imagination that anyone could have. And I'll show you exactly why. Turn, turn with me now to John chapter 11. One of the great places in all of Scripture. Show us who Jesus Christ is and what death means in it concerning His impending resurrection into life from death. There's a family of three. Two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they have a brother. His name is Lazarus. They report to Jesus Christ in John chapter 11 that their brother is sick, but not just sick. He is sick unto death. He's dying. And they ask him to come to their village called Bethany and take care of their brother. Read with me in John chapter 11, in verse 1, a certain village, no, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. When Jesus heard, they said to him in verse 3, they said, Lord, behold, him whom you love is sick. In other words, our brother is sick unto death. When Jesus Christ heard this, I want you to remember this verse. I'll repeat it again a little later. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not unto death. This sickness is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified by His sickness. Now Jesus Christ in the interim now goes into the city of Bethany. He gets into the village and by now Lazarus is dead. He's dead. They buried him. Four days ago they buried him. They put him in what was a common burial place for those people in those days. They carved out a hole in a cave. They made enough room in the cave. They put the body in the cave and then they rolled a large stone in the hole of the cave so as to enclose it. When Jesus Christ walks into the community of Bethany, it says in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. You know what? In my opinion, you and I don't need any more verses in any place in Scripture other than this one to understand all about Jesus Christ. Think about, number one, faith. Think about her faith. She said, if you, you would have been here, you could have reversed the process of illness and you would have given him life and he wouldn't have died. Think about that. Think about who she must imagine and know that this one called Jesus Christ is. If he could stop the process of death, who is he? Who is he? She even says in the next verse, which is an amazing verse in and of itself, she says, even now, verse 22, I know that whatever you ask of God, He'll give you. Jesus said to her, Martha, look at verse verse 23, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know. I love her for that. Look at her faith. I know. I know he will rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus, in verse 25, says the most amazing of verses. Martha, I am the resurrection. Martha, I am the life. He goes on to say, 
And everyone who believes in me shall live even if they die. Don't pass over that, folks. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You know what he asks her? A very poignant question. He almost like looks her right straight in the eye and he says to her, Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I ask you the same thing. Look what else he says, though. Look at verse 26. On top of verse 25, where he says, The person who believes in me shall live even if they die. And then he says, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Her brother has just died. He asks her, Do you believe that? And she answered, Yes. Yeah, I do. She says in verse 27, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are He who comes into this world. In other words, I believe you're God. I believe it. He says to her, Then take me to your brother. Take me to your brother. They go to the gravesite. By now, there are people following all kinds of people. Wanting to watch what's going on. I, for one, would have loved to have been there. They walk upon the scene, and Jesus says in verse 39, three words, remove the stone. In other words, open the casket. Open it up. To which Martha says, Lord, she says, by this time there's going to be a stench. My brother has been dead for four days now. He's already decaying, Lord. And he said at verse 40, what I told you to remember out of verse 4, he said to her, did I not tell you that you're going to see the glory of God? Remove the stone. And they did. And our Lord said three more words. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Come on, boy. Come on. Come on out. Show him who I am. Show him. And he walks out. He walks out. Alive. Alive. Death no longer had a hold on him. He walked out alive. There are two verses there. One that I understand with all of my heart. One that boggles my mind. All the people that were watching this, look what it says in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what he had done, did what? Well, I would hope so. I mean, really, wouldn't you? That's why I would have loved to have been there. I would have, I think, hopefully when I was there, if I didn't believe, I'd walk up and said, you're the man. You're the man. What do you want from me? That makes sense to me. I have no trouble with that verse. What trouble I have is the next verse. Because to really understand the next verse is to understand the Greek language. It says in the next verse, but some of them went away to the Pharisees. That implication is some of them walked away in their unbelief and told them the things which Jesus Christ had done. I don't understand that. I don't understand that place in Scripture. Just as I wouldn't understand this morning, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would walk away. In unbelief. I just don't understand it. Oh, I can understand that maybe, you know, it'd be, I guess if I could bring a dead body here and say, come on, get up. 
and they got up, then maybe. But even some would walk away in their unbelief. At least Scripture says. And it is my deepest, my deepest heartbeat for you is if you're here this morning and you've never come to know Christ. And you know if you haven't. You know. You know deep in your soul whether you've ever accepted the Lord. No one needs to tell you. I mean, uh, one of the things that is kind of the hardest for me is when I ask a person, are you a believer? You're, Christ, you're Christian? And, and they say to me, I, 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 I think, I, I hope I am. I, I, I just want to die right there. I mean, just imagine, just imagine the most important day in a person's life and they hope that they are. You come to me and you say, John, are you married? If I say to you, oh, I hope I am. You know what my wife would do? She'd kill me. You better know you're married. You know, I know I'm married. I know I'm married. I also know I'm a believer. Now, I don't always act like it. I'm not always, you know, uh, I, I sin too, just like you. But I'm beyond hoping that I'm a believer. I'm beyond thinking that I'm a believer. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior on March the 12th, 1973. I made a commitment of my life to my Lord just as the commitment I made to my wife when I asked her to be my wife. I'm a married man and I am a Christian man. And what I don't want you to do is to walk away from here. What today? Today is what? April the 16th. Oh my gosh, it's Easter Sunday. The year 2006. There's not a better day on the face of this earth for you to come to Christ if you don't know for certain that you are. And so we put flowers on the stage. I don't wear a suit every week. I dressed up for you that come. <laughs> it wasn't that big a deal. We do this. We do this not so much because it's Easter Sunday. Because we believe in our heart of hearts, those of us at the Rock Community Church, that every day is Easter today. To us, every day we we worship a risen Lord. We dress up for you. We kind of shine this place up for you. Because we don't want to watch you walk away in your unbelief. We want you to know the Savior. Not for our benefit. You see, the only person that that I can affect for the cause of Christ is myself. I can't affect my son. I can't affect my daughter. I can't affect my grandkids. I can't affect my wife. The only person I can make a decision for in my life about Christ is myself. I'm the decision maker in this process. And so are you. Your family can't pray for you to become a Christian. You can't go to church and scrub yourself up enough times that you're clean enough or whatever to be a Christian. You've got to know in your hearts that you have trusted in Him and that you believe in Him as your Lord and your Savior. And when you do that, well, listen to what Jesus Himself says in John chapter 5. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, He says, The person who hears My words and believes in Him who has sent Me, that person has eternal life. And that person does not come into judgment, but that person has passed out of death Unto life. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die. You've passed out of death unto life. 
by understanding and knowing Jesus Christ. So we open our doors this morning and we have a service out of the book of Acts that we are studying. And if you'll come back, we'll, we'll continue on. We'll go over some of these verses next week and we'll study on in Acts chapter 2 and we'll make sense of it. Best we know how. But we'll never try to tell you our, our belief. We'll never try to tell you what we think. We will try to tell you with all of our hearts what is written in here. That's why as a church we study this. We don't study this. God forbid. This is really a dead end street. <laughs> I like that, Cam. I know that was you. You can't hide. That's an amen that comes from someone who knows me. If you've come to Christ, you know, I've often heard, you know, you have to say a prayer. I think you can say a prayer if you wish. But our Lord knows your heart. If you desire to believe in Him, He knows. And He'll take that light and He'll bring it to fruition if you'll allow Him. The battle with Christianity is some people think it, it begins and ends with accepting Christ. No, it begins by accepting Christ. It ends when you and I die. The process is learning. It'd be like someone being foolish enough to say, you know, I'd love to play with the Dodgers. And someone gives them a uniform and they think they can go out there and hit. Well, I was going to say Nolan Ryan, but he doesn't pitch anymore. That's how old I am. I should have said Sandy Koufax. That would have really showed you how old I am. But you go out and you think you can get these young guys that can really throw the ball. You can't. You've got to practice. To be the Christian that God's called you to be, you've got to be involved in a church and a church that teaches the Word so you can grow. Enough about that. If you don't know what to pray and you'd like to pray some words on this April the 16th, the year 2006, that you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ or for those of us here who are Christians that would like to have a deeper walk with Him, maybe you'd like to pray with me. Um, Not that I have the words. But let me maybe give you thoughts. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we close this service, if there's anyone here this morning that, that you have made sense within their heart of hearts that they need to know you, Father, I pray that what they sense and they feel in their very innermost being, Father, you will take and bring light to that. Help it to grow. Father, maybe they'd just simply like to say, Thank you, Lord for dying on the cross, but more for raising yourself from the dead so that I might have life. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. For those of us who know you and would like to walk more deeply with you, Father, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. Take with us and do with us as you so wish, Father. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all with the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being here. Hope to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great Easter.